Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Around the globe. Hi everyone, welcome back to OzBiz. We kick off the afternoon live from our Brangaroo studios with the call 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to two experts. We do it in one hour, Wednesday the 26th of October. Why I am racing is because I want to introduce our panel. We've got so much to get through. Carl Capalinga from Think Markets. Uh, afternoon, Carl. Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. All right. First up, before we get into anything, uh, market sharply down after uh, the inflation f- figure came out a bit higher than expected, 1.8% for the quarter. Market's expecting 1.6%. Carl, do you worry about that for the market? Uh, I think the market's done pretty well. You know, we've, we've come off the highs. Um, yeah, no, look, the market's in a different phase, I think, now. So I think it depends. Look, a lot of it's going to depend on the US, kind of long story short. And there, there's a bit of a rally on there. So I'm, I'm talking more in technicals, Koshi. I'm not talking as much in big picture stuff, yeah. you know, you know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. So I think, I think there's a bit of a rally going on. Look, today's... CPI data is a bit of a setback in terms of the price action, but I think we're going to get dragged a little bit higher uh, just based on what's happening with US earnings season. Just a bit of fun flow stuff, a bit of, um, a bit of anticipation the Fed's going to back away a little bit, and I think there's a bit more. Okay. Then the whole reality of the broken global financial system, broken in yep. so many ways, is going to set in at some stage and down we're going to go again. Okay. All right. Michael, does the inflation figure... What- Worry you? Oh, it doesn't so much worry me, but it'll be interesting to see how the RBA reacts. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's getting pretty hot out there with inflation now catching up to the US figure almost. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether they start to, to revisit half a percent interest rate increases mm. again. Uh, but I think they might wait for it. The problem in Australia is this only comes out once a quarter. Yeah. It doesn't come out monthly <laughs> like the RBA. So it'll be uh, interesting to see if they want to wait they're three actually trialing, months. Or... Sorry, yeah, they're, they're, they're trialling the monthly. They're trialling, oh, they are. Yeah, yeah, trialling yeah. the new monthly, monthly series. Um, oh, there and, you go. Yeah, faith in it yet, but um, it's interesting yeah. that they've done. Because yeah. we, we were quite unquote the laughing stock, weren't we, of the uh, yeah. entire uh, Western financial yeah. system. Uh, yeah, Philip Lowe got up at a conference and he mentioned, oh, our data's only quarterly and everybody, all bankers in the room laughed at him. So the ABS <laughs> <laughs> snapped to attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so they should. Hey, the first five stocks we're going to look at this half hour, Serot Resources, uh, Rio Tinto, Regis Healthcare, Virgin Money and Woodside. But first, budget came out last night. So, um, and I quizzed the treasurer this morning about his slush fund that he's uh, got tucked away. And uh, that is, uh, he focuses on all the spending and all that sort of stuff, but tucked away in the assumptions on the income side is that uh, coal and iron ore um, are, are in the budget with an assumption iron ore falling to $55 a tonne. Well, not falling, that's what the income is based on. Um, uh, it's $130 a tonne for metallurgical coal at the moment. 
uh, they reckon the budget assumption is $60 a tonne. And for thermal coal, which is about $500 a, a tonne, they reckon 60 as well. So Carl, will iron ore and coal get down to the budget assumptions? Uh, what's a chart tell you on iron ore? Will iron ore get down to $55 a tonne uh, before the end of June? Yeah, it's, it's, is it three, it's three years, I think, is, is the usual cycle or the, the outlook, I think, right. isn't it? For the, no, for the no, I think, no, no. I think he's, he's doing it for the next year. 50, oh, okay. uh, the assumption is $55 a tonne. Well, oh, yeah. I, I reckon, yeah, it depends on, I mean, I think Treasury uses three years, maybe, right. obviously, what the tre Treasurer uses is his business, isn't it, really? So, yeah. Uh, but your 55 bucks in the next 12 months, uh, I'm not so sure. Look, it could get there. I mean, look at that chart. So we're looking at the far right. This is the weekly chart yeah. of iron ore going back to 2010. That's all the data I could pull. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, if it breaks through that low there at 90, there's every chance the next level there is probably around 80. I mean, that's my that's my expectation. So I've been working off um, 80 bucks for a very long time okay. now. And I've been stepping that down, obviously. Um, uh, viewers uh, six months ago would have heard me say 100. Before that, they would have heard me say 120. But I think I think 80 is pretty sensible, right? Um, given what's going on in the world. But hey, if we do end up in a really bad breakage slash global recession, then 55 yep. is that is that. Um, scenario. So that's post GFC, right? They're post GFC right. prices, which was yep. probably an overshoot from that cycle. But I think what viewers need to take away here is that there is a cycle, isn't there? There's you go from a, a period of significant underinvestment in commodity X. Now, by commodity X, I mean insert your commodity here: lithium, natural gas, whatever right. it is, coal, right? Yeah. Uh, and nobody, nobody, it's nobody wants to do it. And then all of a sudden, the world needs a whole heap of it. Prices go through the roof, and then everybody wants to find it and dig it out of the ground. The market yeah. is flooded by supply, and the price turns the other way. And probably along the way, there's some sort of global recession to, to exacerbate, to, 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 to produce that overshoot to the downside. Right. Uh, and then we just go through the cycle again. That's human nature, unfortunately. Okay, so you, you think 55 for iron ore is realistic? If we go into a global it's. Yeah, I think it's in the ballpark, well, yeah. if, in the worst Michael? case scenario. Yeah, iron ore can be pretty volatile. Um, it well, can move pretty quickly. We should be selling all our iron ore stocks now. <laughs> well, it and can well be very now. If you look at BHP, it was $45 and it went down to 15 and yeah. back up. So they can be quite cyclical. Um, you look at the stockpiling um, and the inventory levels in China, and it's down 25% from a year ago. Yep. Um, the housing market, property market, construction market still remains tenuous. Um, so it is possible. I don't necessarily think it will get there, but it's definitely possible. So what's your floor? And I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but basically, look, you look at them, the Liberal Party did the same thing. They always pretty oh, much yeah. Treasury. Had always Treasury, had, yeah. Always and, that, and that's what I said to Jim Chalmers. I said, oh, you've got your slush fund. And he said, well, Treasury has always been. I said, I oh, know you've had this slush fund forever. And it makes you politicians yeah. look good because you know, coming around like this year, $30 billion fall in the budget deficit yeah. that was predicted because you fudged the figures. And it shows how they reliant they credit. are on. They've got to take credit for that, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what about coal? Coking coal and thermal coal, uh, Carl? Down to um, uh, $60, that's the budget assumption. I've said, uh, so coking coal down to 60 Yep. It uh, doesn't look, no, I don't think that's realistic right. at all. No. I mean, that's just silly. That's stupid. Right. No, don't look at that chart. Yeah. Um, 
even if you go and look at the long-term averages, I mean, you've got to go five years ago. And the, and the thing is, um, I mean, we all know the narrative. We love the narrative on this show. And I'm, I'm yeah. one of the, the, coal, the coal bulls, you know that, yeah. is that there's, there's, there's not as much um, investment in coal to sustain... To bring uh, supply. Well, to, yeah. To, to bring, yeah, exactly, supply down to where it was five years ago. So, uh, and the okay. demand uh, with, with a war okay, in Europe is... There's thermal you've just, we just brought up. What's what is on it? That one? For, uh, uh, 60 bucks. No, that's, again, that's silly. Um, look, it'll come down, no yeah. doubt about it, but okay. it's not, not, in, not in the next 12 months. That's absurd. Yeah. So the, the difference, of Michael, on coal as well, do you think it'll come down at 60 bucks? No. Metallurgical no chance. Thermal? I mean, coking coal's got more chance of coming down further than thermal, I think. Yeah. So that gap is the slush fund yeah. that the government works on. And they're very reliant on coal and iron ore and mining, yeah, very evidently. Exactly. And the two biggest exports, they bodged up the income figures. Yeah. It's Sorry, Kosh, you've got a bunch of coal mines underwater now as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, which is pushing the price up even further. Okay. All right. Just wanted to check with the experts because I <laughs> did have a discussion with the treasurer about, oh, well, you know, we've been conservative. No. I said, there's a difference between being yeah. conservative and rigging the books. And this yep. is so silly. It's like rigging the books. Okay. Thank you for that. Appreciate all your charts and your comments on it. And I did say, I've got a bottle of red wine. How about a bottle of red uh, that it will never reach those assumptions? <laughs> and his answer, his answer was, uh, I'm off the reds at the moment. I went, oh, how convenient. <laughs> Very political excuse. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. But thank you to you both for, uh, for your comments on those, uh, on iron ore and coal. First up, um, Sam wants a view on Sierra Resources, Carl, the uh, um, mining and exploration group. Uh, revenue, all the revenue from a graphite mine in Mozambique. Yeah, so far, yeah. So this, I mean, it's such an interesting story. I mean, I've talked about Sierra a few times yeah. on the show. It's been like my bonus buy. Um, I've tweeted about it. it, it it's 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 a ripper. I mean, stick with it. If you're on it, stick with it. It's it's such a bottom left, top right sort of chart there, isn't it, Koshi? And the reason yeah. why it looks so good on the chart, and this is, this is the other thing, like don't look at a chart like that and say, oh, I've, I've missed it. It's too late. I can't buy it now. It's gone up too much. I mean, that's these are the exact charts I'm looking for, right? So I'm looking for the opposite of you. I want to say, Everybody is frothing at the mouth to get in. Now, hey, I know somebody's going to shout at me and say, hey, Carl, eventually they all crash. Oh, look, yeah, they do, but I'm not, in, I'm not going to be around when they crash. I'll be out way before, right? Um, so I want to be in them on, on when they're heading up, and this is what this is doing. So they have a graphite mine uh, in Mozambique. I'm pretty sure it is. I haven't yeah. looked at this one for a little yes. while, but yeah, off the top of my head, it is. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're mining there, mining there since uh, three or four years of production not that it's going all that great they're having some significant industrial relations problems at the moment the last time okay. i checked uh costs are heading up diesel you know uh just labor that sort of stuff usual usual thing that all mining companies are experiencing but i think why that's not impacting the price of course is people looking past that to the incredible uh vertically integrated um you know battery uh anode you know, monster that this thing could be, okay? So it's being funded by uh, the DOE, the Department of Energy in the US, they've given them a bunch of money to get into production. That production is due 
third quarter 2023, um, they're sort of 11,000 kiloton per annum of um, anode material. They've got a binding offtake agreement. So here we go, Tesla. Um, it's, I think pretty sure that one's binding. I think non-binding with Ford, they're still um, doing the assessing the, the, the product quality of the product and the usability of the product. Uh, and then I want to say LG also. So what we've got here is you might, they're mining it, they're turning it into anodes, and then they're selling that to the battery industry. Um, from the mine, they will also sell to other anode manufacturers as well. So um, it's all blue sky <coughs> sort of stuff, Koshi. Uh, but having said that, if you look at some of the broker um, consensus numbers on this, we're talking about 15 times FY24 earnings which sounds super, wow. super cheap for yeah. the growth that's in this. So I, I reckon there's a little tear in the space-time continuum here, Koshi. I'm, I'm a buyer. You know I'm a buyer on okay. this one. Um, if, if you'll wait for a pullback, wait for a pullback. But I think you want to have some of this. You want to have some skin in the game here. Okay. Michael? Yeah, it's an interesting um, business. Basically, one of the biggest graphite producers mm. outside of China, looking to become vertically integrated, the biggest outside of China again. Um, they've recently signed up some funding, um, which basically enables them to get another project off the ground. Um, the big issue that's been surrounding the company recently has been that illegal strike action in Mozambique, which yeah. has brought their mine to a halt. So they do have a little bit of geopolitical risk that there's no two ways about it. Um, the mine life though in Mozambique is 50 years, so it's a, obviously a very big deposit. Um, and so far, they seem to be ticking all the boxes in terms of the progress towards their stated aim of being that integrated um, supplier. So graphite is a very, very large component in batteries, more so than a lot of the other things that get spoken about. Yep. So that long term runway for growth makes a lot of sense. Um, just to throw out another one, there is an Australian based graphite producer called Renescore, um, which is marked gap of 500 mil. It's obviously not as developed or as far down the line in terms of production and um, building that integrated network, but they are trying to do something similar. Oh. I think they found the site in South Australia as well, which they're going to do a lot of the processing at. So that's a, a more speculative one for people to keep an eye on. Right. Um, but it is a space that we Le are- Less sovereign risk. Less sovereign risk, <laughs> but probably think. higher yeah. risk in yeah. terms of production. Yeah, cool. um, and just less advanced yeah. and less mature, but we don't mind um, uh, Sarah, <laughs> SYR. Um, and we don't mind this other one as well, Renaschool. Um, what do you think of Renaschool, Carl? Have you? Have uh, you look, yeah, it looks half, half decent, half decent on the chart. I mean, it's like uh, we keep talking about lithium, isn't it? Go for the ones that are trying to get to production, yeah. or the ones that are in production. It's always that old <laughs> argument. Um, but some other stats. The reason why I like it. Again, you can wait for a pull, but I think if you can get it closer to two bucks, you're fine. Um, so don't don't you don't have to rush out today and get it. But I think you want to have some at some stage. Uh, but we're looking at um, what's a Chinese anode. Um, demand, so demand for uh, anode material is, has doubled every year for the last three years, right? Um, you've got um, uh, you know, uh, battery production in the US uh, up tenfold in the next five years and then doubling in the next five years after that. So I, I think, you know, you're at the thin end of the wedge, not trying to make the batteries and all the vagaries of that. They're not trying to make the EVs and all the vagaries of that. They're just uh, just selling graphite. It's awesome. You know, yeah. it's, it's, the, it's just, it's, it's, it's a great model, I think. Yeah. All right, um, Jason Michael wants a view in Rio. Jason says, uh, how do they write, how does the experts uh, rate them against other iron ore exporters? It's interesting, Rio's um, been having a lot to say recently, uh, saying it's uh, asking for pitches for some of the, um, from some of the biggest investment banks to buy uh, lithium companies that wants to get into lithium, then it's warned of a global commodity market slowdown because of recessions in Europe and the US. 
and then uh, its new chairman has flagged an overhaul of the the board because they're saying they're not um, they're not aggressive enough. So been yeah. a, bit, a bit about Rio recently. Yeah, I mean, they're probably a bit tentative um, in their sort of capital expenditure and the large scale acquisitions, given what took place last mining boom. Yeah, um, they've been a lot more constrained recently, and, and to some extent, it has limited um, their rate of growth, but they are a very high quality iron ore producer. That's primarily what they produce. They do have some copper and aluminium. They sold their coal assets, which yeah. they're probably regretting at the moment in about 2018. Yeah. Um, but they've got good mine life, low cost of production. I think they might even have lower cost of production on iron ore than BHP. Um, so it's a, a very good quality company. Recently, they came out with a slight production cut um, from what the market was expecting. Uh, their costs have remained pretty steady and they should benefit as well from the decline in the Aussie dollar, which should enable them to keep those costs in US dollars pretty stable. So look, it's a, it is a quality exposure to iron ore, but you have to go back to the chart that we we're looking at at the beginning of the show um, in understanding that iron ore is very, very cyclical. And because of Rio's reliance on iron ore, the share price of Rio tends to be very cyclical as well. Yeah. So I am a little bit conscious and cautious when looking at iron ore just because of the the whole China story and what's been playing out over there. Um, but from a long-term time horizon, if you wanted that broad sort exposure- two-year low. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's not trending it's too well either. Uh, we don't have clients in Rio. We have a little bit, a few clients in BHP, but um, Rio is not on our list. Would so you I'm get into have to, Rio now? No, I'm gonna have to give it a, a sell, just sell. looking at the right. chart and just given where we are in that iron ore cycle, I am yeah. cautious that things might continue to fall away in that space. Yeah. Um, Carl, what do you think of Rio? And by the sound of it, they're hinting that they, obviously with iron ore prices coming down, they want to diversify into some other metals now too. Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, the other big trick for Rio is copper, obviously, and uh, the copper price doesn't look great either. So, you know, they're they're spot on. They're warning about global recession. And if these guys can can see it coming, given the access to... um, you know, they're, they're the customer base that they have globally, then I think investors or viewers listening today should really take some warning about that and probably the treasurer should too, right? So yeah. um, they, they know they've got the ear close to the ground so they can see the bottom left, top right charts like CIRA that we've just talked about in EVs and they and they want to have a bigger um, piece of it. And I think that makes sense. Uh, but there's, there's the oldest argument in the book, Koshi, of, well, are they going to buy at the top of the cycle? And, you know, BHP has been the most acquisitive, let's face it, historically. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's worked out well for them. It hasn't at other times. Um, so I don't I don't think you, you go, well, um, buy at the top. Buying at the top of the cycle hasn't worked before. I think you've got to be sensible because quite unquote this time could be different. So I don't mind them looking into lithium, but I just don't like the fact that they're still such a, a massively uh, dependent on iron ore and yes. bearish on iron ore prices. The question was, look, which iron ore stock? stock? I think that was the question. The question was, yeah. well, there's three major ones, obviously, um, BHP, Fortescue, Rio, and just, okay. I'm with Michael, I don't like um, either of them. Maybe just, uh, Koshi, uh, see which one donated the most to Telephone over here in WA, <laughs> and that would tell you who's, who's, the, best, uh, who's the best to invest in. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but, um, uh, by the way, Koshi, I should mention your performance there is uh, Michael Hutchins. Viewers who haven't seen that should Google that. And I tell you what, if you want to see bottom left, top right sort of stuff, getting pulses racing and we're going to talk about regis uh, healthcare yes. uh, in a second i reckon a few pulses at regis <laughs> across the nation 
got racing, well, Koshy, well, watching, watching you in that, in that skin-tight outfit, I reckon. Well, amongst Regis uh, customers who are, who are senior yes, Australians, oh, thanks very much. They, they would have... Yeah, good on you. All racing. right, I'm not sure how to take that. I think that was a bit of a backhanded compliment. So, so no for Rio. You'd say sell for no Rio. For Rio. Uh, but would sell you... Uh, same with BHP? Same. I'm sell on all iron ore stocks. I've right. been a sell for over six months now. Yep, Okay. All right, uh, let's talk about Regis then. Uh, Michael provides residential care for uh, elderly Australians, whole bunch of facilities on the big, largely dependent on government um, funding with aged care facilities, and that got, got a, um, a big lift in the budget last That's night. That's true, um, but it is a difficult space to operate in despite that natural tailwind that's there with the aging population. and. It's one of those sectors that draws a lot of attention from investors because they think it should make sense over well, time. Demand. It's a good thematic. It's a great thematic, it? but except when you have a royal commission, it's highly regulated. <laughs> and the the problem is, you have the royal commission. All of a sudden, a lot of the requirements that need to be met by these aged care facilities are tightened. So you need more headcount, for instance. So costs go costs up. go up, and costs have already been going up because of COVID for these healthcare operators. Absenteeism is a huge one. They're also struggling getting staff. Yep. Um, Regis has seen a pickup in occupancies again. Um, a lot of people were reluctant to go into aged care homes when COVID was rampant or, or, or out and about in the community because they were worried about catching it from other residents and being locked in and so on and so forth. But there are tentative signs that that's started to improve a little bit and people are w willing to come back uh, into aged care facilities. Uh, management didn't provide guidance for FY23, um, and that's because there's probably a lot going on um, at the moment with the business, just trying to understand what are the lasting effects of COVID, um, are staff going to come back to work, and are right. we going to be able to access international staff? So they have been a little bit cautious on their costs and, and forecasting their costs. Um, so from mine, I just think these businesses overall tend to be very complex margins tend to be quite narrow yeah. and it tends to be a bit of a moving feast when it comes to government regulations. So for mine, I'm going to go a sell. Yeah. Uh, Carl, what do you think of Regis? Yeah, uh, Michael, it's, it's spot on. He's really nailed, I think, all of the key um, points on this one. It is such a complex area and you probably need to, I'm not saying Michael isn't an expert, I'm not saying I'm an expert, you're probably better off taking advice from somebody who is an expert in such a, this complex area of, uh, of, of, of health um, aged healthcare more specifically. So um, I'm going to just go to a different level and just talk about the financials, I think, because that's something I do think I am an expert on. Yeah. And um, just, just to give you as an, an idea of where this sits for financial. So the money they, money they earn and how they're priced in the market. Um, so they earned 1.3 cents per share uh, in FY22. And obviously because of the disaster that pandemic was for them, um, that was four and a half cents the year before, it was seven cents the year before that, it was 15 cents the year before that. But I would put to you that their earnings were declining into the pandemic anyway. Now they are gonna bounce back as things uh, improve and get back to normal, but their earnings in four years time are still gonna be less than their earnings were four years ago. Mm. And that's not the sort of business I want to be in, to be honest. Um, I don't think they're at all cheap. So you're looking at paying around about 22 times uh, next year's earnings, 20 times a year. It just, with, with, with the growth that they have, the risks that are in the business, from a pure valuation standpoint, um, I do not believe the uh, valuation is compelling and the chart doesn't look great either. So I'm with Michael, I'm sell. Okay. All right. Um, next stock um, on, the, uh, on the agenda today is Virgin Money. And Michael, Todd wants a view on Virgin Money. Of course, um, it was 
spun out of National Australia Bank. It's a Clydesdale Bank, Yorkshire Bank in the United Kingdom. So getting exposure to, to UK banks rather than Australian banks. Yeah, that's right. So Clydesdale spun out of NAB. Clydesdale yep. actually bought Virgin Money yep. um, and then they changed the name to Virgin Money. Um, it's look, the one thing it's got going for it is it's cheap relative to its peers. Right. Um, however- Is that a good thing? It's, look, that's the one positive. The fact is, <laughs> they've got a big reliance on their credit card book, which was meant to be high quality. Right. They've started to see some weakness there and bad debts picking up in that part of their business. Um, you look at their net interest margins, which actually slightly fell in this environment where a lot of their peers in the recent update, and this is UK banks, saw an uplift in net interest margins. So I just struggle to see why um, an Australian investor will really want exposure to something like this. Um, we've and got, the UK is going into a serious recession. And that's isn't the it? big thing. And, and we're not. <laughs> and they've been focusing a lot on like unsecured type debt, such as credit cards. Ah. And it's very difficult. And that's, look, it's hard to forecast what's going to happen there, but you wouldn't think it's going to be too, too pretty. Um, but as I said, they are relatively cheap um, compared to their peers. They're trading on, I think, a P of about five times earnings, right. um, which, is, which is low, but you would have to think that leading into the UK recession, yeah. um, this could be in a little bit of, not, not trouble in terms of going belly up, but you could start to see bad debt spike. And it's not like they're yeah. making huge net interest margins to compensate for that. Yeah. So I'm gonna go sell. Uh, Carl? Oh, hang on, I think you might be on mute, Carl. Sorry, sorry, mate. In my back, yeah, yep. sorry about that. Um, it's a little bit of noise out the window here. Uh, I was just saying, Michael's nailed it again, because you know viewers will look at a stock and they go, oh, the PE's, uh, what is it now? Uh, three, I mean, the PE's three. And I go, oh, the, the, that's cheap. But the market isn't, you know, the market knows this. It's not a surprise. Um, you, you, if, if you uh, bumped into 10 fund managers on your way to work this morning and you said, hey, did you know uh, Virgin UK's PE is three? It's really cheap. Those, all 10 of those fund managers are going to say, yeah, I, know, I know. I know it's there. It's, it's, don't worry. It's the right price. That, like, like, it's priced exactly where it should be. Like, we yeah. know. We're aware. Right. That's why we're not buying it. And that's why um, my buddy who had it, he's, he's got a sell order on and it's been going for six months and it's just working through the market, but none of us other guys are buying it. So that's right. why the stock's going down. Uh, there, there's no free lunches in the markets and I don't think you've got one here. Okay. Um, I'm a sell as well, the chart looks horrible. Okay. All right, um, come here. Is this um, a free lunch at Woodside? Carl, do you reckon uh, Mark wants to buy? I love the way you're putting that. Look, there is <laughs> gonna be a, a major supply deficit I believe, based upon the research I'm reading, but you tend to read stuff that appeals to you, don't you, Koshi? Like yeah. if you're a, I'm a uranium bull, I like to read bullish stuff on uranium. I don't read any of the bearish stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm bullish on I'm bullish on coal, I'm bullish on natural gas. So I try not to read any of the bearish stuff. Uh, but there is going to be a substantial deficit, I believe, in natural gas for all the same reasons we've talked about. Um, you know, energy security, transition to renewables, not going as quickly as possible, and the fact we just need to keep warm. Um, so I like Woodside from that perspective. I do believe it has a place in your longer term self-managed super fund style portfolios. The chart would back it up. So no objections from the chart. It's still you know, very much bottom left, top right. Operationally, Woodside has been such an, um, I don't know if it's over promise, under deliver is the right thing. I think just under deliver from whatever they promise. It's sort of getting the last, um, the last sort of 12 months, 
18 months, we're getting to the point now where they're starting to um, actually over deliver a little bit. So I kind of mm. like that too. So operation, they're heading in the right direction. I, I do think there's great scope um, for you know, 80% of their business is natural gas. Um, the chart is bottom left, top right. So it goes three ticks for me on the buy. Yep, Michael. Um, so the, the preeminent sort of hydrocarbons business in Australia, top 10 globally. Um, the recent sort of merger with BHP's energy assets, I think has been good for the business, allowed them to reduce debt significantly. They're now undergeared, arguably, compared to where they've been historically. And it's probably worked out well, given how far interest rates ha have gone, gone up. There were concerns around their cash flows, but they have cut back um, their capital expenditure. Uh, they recently upgraded their production forecasts. Um, the amount of you know, gas that's going out to mainly Asia for them is, is significant. They really do dominate that space. Only about 20% of the gas that Woodside produces goes into the domestic market. Santos is about 40% and something like Beach is probably about 60%. Um, and that's probably in their favour at the moment, given we know some of the supply constraints that are occurring in energy globally. Um, our preference is actually for Santos on a valuation yeah. basis, okay. but we do have clients that hold both. Um, we just think that Santos's um, free cash flow generation in the years to come will allow it to have a bit more upside than Woodside from here. But Woodside's assets are, are low cost, they're in the bottom quartile of production costs globally, um, and there's a lot to like about the company now that it's merged with the BHP assets because it has increased their growth um, yep. profile significantly and the available. Um, options they've got to expand production going forwards increased as well. So I'm happy to give it a buy, but we do have a preference for Santos, right, okay. which we also have a buy, obviously. All right, let's recap the uh, the first five stocks, our, well, our commodities of the day, but just um, temperature checking the uh, federal budget last night that has a forward um, $55 a tonne uh, price for iron ore in the budget for over the next 12 months and $60 for coal. Uh, Carla Michael, you know, see 55 as maybe realistic sometime in the future uh, for, um, for iron ore, although Carl thinks it will only get down to about 80, similar to, uh, to Michael, but it's heading down. Um, and the $60 a tonne um, uh, assumption for thermal and metallurgical coal, uh, both Carla Michael think are, are crazy, and that's where the, the slush fund um, in the government budget actually comes from. Um, Sarah Resources, a, a buy from both Michael and, and Carl, the, the Graphite Group, Renascore is a local one that Michael likes as well. Uh, they've got a sell on Rio, a sell on Regis, a sell on Virgin, both of them like Woodside, but um, um, Michael has a preference for Santos if there's a toss up between the two of them. So. Uh, uh, a couple of buys from both with Sarah and Woodside in that half hour. Um, here on the call, we're tracking our own high conviction growth fantasy fund, which is picked by the investment committee. You can see the October committee meeting, which is a couple of weeks ago on the platform, osbiz.com at the moment. Um, let's check to see what they decided at that meeting. They removed Ardent Leisure, Babcorp was trimmed, um, they increased their stake in um, uh, Washington Sol Patterson and Incitec Pivot was trimmed. Seek was added uh, with its weighting funded by the Ardent Leisure Sale and the trimming of Incitec Pivot. Uh, let's see how the portfolio is going since the 1st of March. It's up about two and a quarter percent. So keep sending in your requests for the call because that's the first 
filter that goes up to the committee. So uh, today, Civil Resources and I think Woodside's already in the portfolio at the moment, but Civil Resources will go up to uh, be adjudicated by the committee to see if it will go into the portfolio. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. At this half hour, we're going to run the ruler over Macquarie, the ASX, Helios, Credit Corp and Bell Financial. Um, Michael Simon wants a view on Macquarie Bank. Yes, so look, Macquarie comes up quite often on the call. We spoke about it, I think, a few weeks ago. We have a, a long-term sort of buy on it. Um, it is obviously a long way off its high. It's a very high-quality business a lot more diversified than it used to be and less reliant on the market gyrations and cycles that we're seeing at the moment. Um, but to break it down to a granular level, um, their commodities business is doing quite well, um, as you would imagine in this environment with the dislocation that we've been seeing in the commodity space. Um, the big question is also going to be whether they can maintain their momentum in the mortgage market. They've really right. sort of emerged as a, as a big player in the Australian uh, mortgage market. But there's going to be over the next few years, almost 20, 25% of that market come up for grabs as many people leave um, fixed term mortgages that roll over and become um, flexible rates. Um, so there's lots of competition potentially on that side of things. They are very competitive at the moment with some of their refinancing rates in order to win market share there. Um, one positive for them, having a lot of funds under management or assets under management in US dollars has been the falling Aussie dollar has cushioned the blow, so to speak, when it comes to some of the declines in their um, funds under management in their asset management part of the business. Um, however, it's not an ideal environment for someone like Macquarie. Transactional volumes are low, investment banking volumes are quite low as well. But when you take a long-term view, these sorts of opportunities historically have presented a good chance to buy. Um, Carl's definitely gonna turn around and say the chart looks terrible, but I think if you're taking a three to five year view, you should be okay. But in the short term, it could continue to go lower, particularly if markets come under pressure. Okay. So what do so you say? I'm going to do a long-term buy. Long-term buy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl? Yeah, I mean, in, in the, well, it's like uh, the long-term estimates for <laughs> coking coal, coal and dino, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? Um, no, I think, uh, yeah, look, I am going to say sell on this one because I'm more concerned about. So, I mean, Michael painted, um, the, he said the good start, there's some good stuff in there and then some um, like some concerning stuff, some some risks. And I, I'm, you know, we, we talked about how I, I'm looking at um, a lot of the energy commodities at the moment. And, I'm, and I, I look at it one eye uh, with one eye saying it's it's bullish. And it, people, this is the great thing about the market, right? You, you look at something with your own view and then you, you go and transact in the market. You become part of supply and demand. So it's, it's all good. Uh, but I know I'm a sell here because I'm more concerned about the risk. Uh, and we, we know that Macquarie, look, just go look at the cycles. It's all cycles. Macquarie does well in bull markets, right? When the, when the bull starts to, to turn to bear, their chart starts going down and it goes down until the bear starts to turn to bull again. And I think we're yep. still in the bear phase. So that's why I'm worried about Macquarie. Um, always, when clients do ask about Macquarie, I say, hey, look, I know it's quality, I get that, but don't forget GFC was trading around 100. 
it fell to 15, right? right? Now, of course, it's down 140. So if you take that really long-term view, yeah, okay, you can hold past the valley, but that's not my style. I don't want to be in it for the valley. So I, I am still selling this one. I right. think you will get it significantly cheaper if the you-know-what hits the fan. Yeah, and you're a different sort of investor because you're an active investor, yep. aren't you? Sort of for People a lot need of, to understand that, yeah. Yeah, for their self-managed super fund that say, exactly. okay, I want a long-term exposure to a bank. Um, yep. They don't want to trade in and out all the time. No. Yeah, if you're going to look at your portfolio once a year when you get the annual statement, yeah. then ignore everything I have to say. If, you can, if you're more active and you're looking at your portfolio every couple of weeks, that's where I fit in, I think. Right, yep. All right, Simon wants a view, Carl, on uh, the ASX, the, uh, the company that runs the platform, um, share platform mm-hmm. for, for all of the trading um, that is uh, um, sort of tries to constantly change with technology. Uh, it takes a bit longer <laughs> than most people think. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of like, the ASX? Uh, yeah, look, I, did they, I cannot remember a time where they've delivered something on time and it didn't break on the first day, gosh. Right. So, I mean, they've had, I mean, this have some pretty bad launches, let's face it, but maybe that's all behind them. Uh, and we digress. We shouldn't uh, pin that on them as no. uh, whether it's been a good, good investment or a bad investment, because for me, at the end of the day, it comes back to financials, which aren't heading in a great direction. So a lot of their um, trading volumes are starting to slow, and that will tend to happen. Um, so. Uh, what, what we find, we have a, a weekly meeting over here at Think Markets and, and the sales guys will go through, um, they'll talk about, okay, what are the clients doing? And for the last few weeks, it's really been about clients that just aren't doing anything anymore, right? Mm. They're, they're just they're, they're just sitting in cash. I mean, I've been telling them to go to cash for, for many, many months now, right? But, uh, and it doesn't help, it doesn't help Think Markets either, by the way, the fact no, I keep telling uh, our clients, money, it doesn't help. Like, it's, it's not good for us at all, right? But um, so, so if, if our clients are a, are a reflection on the broader, you know, a stockbroking environment, then it just means lower transaction values. And that's not what ASX likes. Yeah. They clip ticket. Every time you trade, they clip the ticket. And the other thing is when, when markets go like this, and, and many viewers will know that love these small cap stocks as well, yeah. like the, the volumes just go straight out of that. You know, there's just, just nothing really happens. So yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit more concerned. I'm taking, putting that concern hat on this one. The valuation is not compelling. So sometimes I can get past some of those concerns if it just looks dirt cheap. And this one doesn't. It's trading at about 25 times uh, this year's earnings with a, with a compound annual growth rate over the next four years of 4%. Right. That is astronomically high. If you've got earnings growth of 4%, your PE should be 10 at yeah. most. So I think this is significantly overvalued. The chart looks ho- horrible, which I think reflects a lot of my concerns. I'm gonna go sell. Yeah, three and a half year low, Michael. Yeah, look, it's, it would be tempting for a lot of people because a lot of people like this business. It's a quality company, quite a dominant player, obviously, um, for a number of reasons. And it's been a steady dividend payer, often with a increasing dividend per share year after year. But this environment's not very good for it. Let's put it that way. Um, the secondary market that's buying and selling shares sort of on a daily basis is been under pressure. Um, there's no two ways about it. It only makes up about five, six percent of their overall revenue. Um, a big chunk actually comes from the primary listings market. That's IPOs and that sort of thing. All right. Yeah. Um, and that's dried up a lot. Um, the futures market's another big thing for them, which has been pretty stable. But as Carl points out, the forecast growth rate of about four, five percent per annum for the next few years compares to a 10 to 12% increase in expenses that they announced in the recent updates. So their margins are getting compressed. They do claim to be somewhat of a tech business and they are kind of competing in that tech space 
for workers and they've seen a lot of uh, inflation in their wages within the business as well. Um, their dividends, as they pay out 90% payout ratio, it's not like they're going out and investing a lot in growth. So you can be pretty confident you'll get a pretty decent dividend. But as Carl points out, they're not cheap, they're not growing that quickly and the dividend per share is unlikely to keep growing at a, a good rate. And the dividend yield's not even that attractive at these prices. Right. So you've almost got to treat it like a bit of a bond proxy because a lot of people are in there for the dividend and as bond yields have gone up, it's yeah, no longer as attractive yeah. as it was. Um, so for mine, I'm going to go with a sell. Okay. All right. Um, Paul wants a view on Helios Michael, our second biggest pathology provider, uh, third largest diagnostic imaging provider here in Australia. 70% of its revenue comes from pathology, the rest from uh, diagnostic imaging. Mm -hmm. They're a, um, uh, a big uh, beneficiary of uh, COVID testing um, in yeah. car parks around, around Australia. Um, charged the government or charged us a lot of money for doing it. That's it. Um, but those days look like they're coming to an end. Um, you see the average daily testing is dropping significantly. Um, I think they're about sort of five, 6,000 a day. They're expected to fall and then flatline at about 3,000 a day. And I think yeah. be lucky if that's even the case. So they will be winding up a lot of those um, testing clinics and testing centers. That will create a lot of one-off costs for them. But if you strip out all the COVID stuff, um, the business is performing okay, growing about 5%. Right. Um, their imaging business has picked up a lot um, as people return and feel confident going back into hospitals and getting all those tests and images done. Um, the business for a long time there was paying a lot of money on rents, being in sort of suburban and, and regional um, clinics. They've decided to leave a lot of those clinics and move back into the core hospitals um, because they had a lot of cost inflation, but their revenues weren't growing that much. Right. Often their revenues are somewhat capped by government as well and what private health insurance can increase their their premiums by etc so it's a business where your, your revenues tend to be somewhat capped and your costs can quickly get away from you so it's not the best quality business in our view um, we think sonic healthcare is probably a preferable play if you're going to go down that path we're not in sonic healthcare but we have looked at it um, from time at times in the past but for us, Helios is a sell. They're going to lose, well, earnings are going to go back a long way because of the wrapping up of the COVID tests or at least yeah. the decline in the COVID testing. And it'll be interesting to see what's left with the business after that. Right. Um, so not, not the worst business on the market, but definitely not in our top no. 50 or 100. I'll tell even. you what, when I was in the, in the queue in the car, getting to, they, they ran our local one, which was in um, the car park of our local surf life-saving club yeah. and it was just a marquee and there's a line of people all getting stuff up their nose and uh, I was thinking the margins on this must yeah, be enormous good. because Crazy. the rent on a marquee wouldn't be that, <laughs> that high in a car park yeah. and I just had four people there sort of just churning them out they made huge amounts of money didn't they and um, Carl what do you think of Helios uh, yeah, in short, I agree with everything Michael says. So I'm, I'm a sell, but I'm just looking through my charts of the healthcare sector. So I've got um, a watch list, which is just healthcare. Because yeah. I think viewers want a healthcare stock, right? And that makes sense. But I don't think this is the one for everything, all the reasons you said. Um, so just not not on the valuation. I'll give you just a little bit of insight. So this year, they earned uh, 52 cents a share. Uh, by FY26, that'll be 22 cents a share. Oh, okay, just okay. let that sink in a little bit. 52 cents down to 22 cents. I mean, their earnings are going to more than halve. It's just not something I'm interested in 
Um, so, so this is not the one. Last time I was on, I covered this, I called it a sell. I said buy ResMed instead. I'm still with ResMed. I still think that's good. Um, just looking mm. down the list here of charts, that, I mean, there's, there's, there's companies I like and valuations I like, but it's not matching with the charts. Prometicus is one where I think the chart is half decent. Um, there's a little biotech called Neuron, N-E-U. I think that looks pretty good as well. Um, and only only got down to the to, to the R's. I didn't, so I can't, I'll get to the end of the list. Okay. <laughs> Another time, maybe. That's right. But you, but you like, like um, uh, ResMed. ResMed came up yesterday and um, uh, Mark Mullen preferred Fisher and Paykel. Uh, um, yeah, but we did, we, Mark and I, are very. I've, I've known Mark for probably about 15 years and we've yeah. done many things together, but we're just very different styles. He's more deep value, I'm more trend. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Fisher and Paykel is, is it's, yeah, it's going yeah. the wrong way. So that would right. be a sell for me. Okay. We like both ResMed and Fisher and Paykel, but they are quite different businesses, mm. really. And they get bundled together a lot. Yeah. ResMed's the sleep apnea machines. Fisher yeah. and Paykel gets a small chunk of revenue from sleep apnea devices, but the majority of their earnings are from, um, what do they call it? Like respiratory cure, yeah, um, respiratory yeah. like plastic masks and right. ventilators and all that sort of stuff you get in hospital, which is more the consumables, right. wear it once, throw it out type thing. Right, okay. Um, fish has come back a long way, but we like both of them. Okay, all right. Um, Michael Craig wants a view on Credit Corp, the uh, uh, consumer debt market buyer, buys um, uh, loan books from financial organisations and collects all the money and keeps up, yeah. um, uh, clips a ticket on the way through. What do you think of Credit Corp? Um, we have clients in Credit Corp. Um, it's been an okay performer over the long term, not so much in, in recent years, uh, in the last 12 months. Uh, had a decent update yesterday in that it reiterated yes. its, its guidance for the year, but it also talked up the outlook. Um, and you have to understand for a business like this, it's as much about being able to replenish your book into the future mm. Um, with new purchases. Half the job is picking, or a lot of the job is picking quality purchases to buy and then yeah. chase up the debt. So they'll often yeah. buy these debts which are 90, 120 days in arrear. Um, they'll buy them for X amount in the dollar, often a big discount because companies are just happy to get them off their books yeah. and they'll chase it up and their recovery rates will be whatever they are, 70, 80, 90%. They'll make a big spread. Yeah. Um, the problem in the recent years since COVID is there's been a lot of handouts from government to people, so people haven't really been falling into arrears on a lot of payments and a lot of debts, uh, but that's about to change as people's run down their savings and the handout stop and the economy potentially goes into recession. And Credit Corp actually thinks that's a good thing because it means there'll be more um, supply of these arrears books to buy, which right. means they'll be able to pick off better quality ones. And We're they'll in, get a better margin. And they'll get a better margin. Where in recent years, it's pretty, pretty slim pickings yeah. in terms of what's become so available. So this is a good recession stop. It's not in the GFC, it didn't do so well. Right. But I think if it's just a typical recession rather than a very deep thing, it can actually go quite well because it sets up their earnings quite nicely for the years to come. Right. Um, the market has a tendency to penalise it during um, downturns because it thinks that people won't be able to pay back their debts, right. so Credit Corp won't be able to collect as much. But they've proven in the past that's not necessarily the case. But the purchases that they do now will set them up for earnings growth in the next couple of years um, mm. it's a look it's hard to call it a buy at the moment just because right. of the negative momentum we're seeing in the share price but long term I think it's proven itself to be a good quality business so for now I'm going to give it a hold right um, but it is a, a, a business that we like and it's been a proven performer over a long period of time yeah. uh, Carl what do you think of credit Corp? 
Yeah, look, I agree. I mean, I've talked about today some stocks that are ridiculously overvalued. Um, you know, ASX is probably the, the most overvalued one. Healy's is not great. Um, and this one, I think, is fair value. I think it's about the right price, but I can't get excited about it. Just the chart, obviously, is very bad. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's top left, bottom right. Uh, but I'm, yeah, look, I, I, I agree. With, with uh, the risk of, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a really substantial downturn in, in the economy comes opportunity for this one. But I, I think... Michael mentioned the most important thing there, which is just how the market treats it and how the market prices it. And just on that basis, I think if you look at that chart you had before, we saw what happened during the pandemic, right? I mean, that's when mm. the, the fear was, okay, well, the quality of credit is gonna go into the toilet. And that didn't happen, but um, that's a the longer term chart than that one. Yeah. Uh, and But if you go back to GFC, I mean, the stock was 13 bucks and then just huge plunges as the world unraveled which was a credit crisis obviously and then it went down to you know 13 bucks to uh, 40 cents right. you know over the space right. of about 12 months I, i'm not saying it's going to happen again but i'm just saying if things get really bad that is how the market will that, that's the lens through which the market will view this one so yeah i, I think you need to be a bit See, careful apart from, so if, apart, you have, if you have it yeah. yeah apart from that pandemic drop down it's almost at a five-year low yeah um well let me have a look um, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, apart from that, yeah, probably 2018 would be yeah. the lowest point um, yeah. for it. But it, it, again, it's like Macquarie Bank. It does well in the better parts of the cycle. I get this idea that they can reset a lot of their book yeah. after things are bad, because that's when people want to offload risk right. uh, and bad credit. I get that, but I, I don't think we're at that stage of the cycle yet. Right. So, so yeah. not for you. It's still a sell. No, okay. still a sell. All right. And our final stock, uh, Carl Bell Financial, the stockbroker investment financial advisory group um, in Australia, in New York, London, Hong Kong, and Kuala Lumpur. What do you think of Bell Financial? Uh, I'm going to go. I must admit, I'm rushing today. Uh, plus, I had to go to the. I had to go into the uh, World Cup match, Australia versus Sri Lanka last night. So I didn't get to the end <laughs> on this one. Apologies, right? Didn't have time. Started late today, the late night. Um, so I didn't look at the uh, the fundamentals on this one. I apologise, but so I can only do the chart. Just, just me being upfront with the viewers because yep. normally I would I'll due diligence on everything. The chart looks terrible. I think that probably summarises everything. And a little anecdote here. Nothing more than an anecdote. I just told you what's happening at think markets, right? Yep. Clients are pulling their heads into their shells and they are just waiting for this stuff to blow over. A lot of people think there's still a big leg down. And they're going to get stuff a lot cheaper and you know just in terms of volumes volumes for your plain old vanilla stockbrokers i'm sure these guys do other things um, but that would i think uh, verify this the state of the chart so i would have to say sell okay so do you think there's going to be another big leg down i am in that camp yes right. you very much so right. <laughs> i think it's inevitable what sort of time inevitable uh, I think we need to get past that. At the moment, we're getting a little bit of a bounce because they think the Fed is going to slow down. Yeah. Uh, but I do think the Fed still has to get rates, you know, the cash rate up to at least above where inflation is. Um, you've got uh, you've got so much debt out there now, and it, it, that's fine when your rates are at zero. But it's not fine when your rates are at six, seven percent. Um, so, and, and then mixing not just the private sector debt, but government debt, you've got dislocations and breakages in a number of uh, small simmering little hotspots within the financial services system that threaten to explode into the broader financial system, much like it did in 2008. And I hope I'm wrong, don't yeah. get me wrong, yeah. uh, but I just think the balance of risks 
means you need to maintain high cash levels at this point in time. Right, okay. Because uh, we're seeing a bounce and sort of a th- the thesis here on the call with a lot of the experts is that yes, um, um, the temperature of the market is pretty good at the moment. Maybe get a, a Santa rally that we traditionally it get into Christmas. Uh, but next year, they're all really cautious about <laughs> come back from Christmas and nothing to look forward to. Yeah, look, it's again, I work for a stockbroker. It's not good business to say don't invest right now. Um, but, you know, I've, I've got a duty of care to, to my clients. Yes. Yeah. All right. Michael, what do you think of Bell Financial? Um, look, we're basically a little micro company similar to, to Bell Potter. Yeah. Um, and, and like Think Markets, it's been a very tough um, six, 12 months. In the case of, of Bell Financial, they're a bit more diversified than someone like myself. Um, they're almost like a full service stockbroker, a net wealth, and a Comsec all in one. Right. Where they've got like the discount trading platform through Bell oh, yeah. Direct. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got their sort of platform, um, reporting platform type thing as well through something called Fusion. Then they've got the stockbroking business. Um, daily transactional volumes for them are down, the brokerage numbers down. Um, a big part for Bell Potter is as well is their small mid cap IPOs. And that part of the market's dried up completely. Um, so they're very cyclical businesses. When times are good, um, it's very, very good. Um, but when times are tough, it's better to be an advisor in one of those businesses than to be the owner because right. there's a lot of fixed costs, um, a lot of technology, a lot of research costs. Staff costs are very, very high as well for these companies. And I'm almost a believer that many of these sort of service type companies, whether it be a law, law firm or accounting firm, stockbroker, they're better off being unlisted just yeah. because they tend to be very cyclical businesses. Um, they tend to be good dividend payers, but tend to be quite volatile in the right. market doesn't like that typically, um, the public markets anyway. The dividend per share was very good last year. So the dividend yield for the company at the moment looks very, very high, but they have to cut their last dividend payment by about 40%. It's likely the next payment will be 40% lower than last year. So you have to just understand very cyclical businesses um, and they jump around with market sentiment. At the moment, the sentiment's pretty negative. So I'm gonna give it a sell. Okay, and your thoughts on another leg down? Yeah, that's the way we're positioned. We just struggle to see how everything will automatically all of a sudden repair itself. Um, We expect the volatility can continue. We think that bear market rallies like what we saw in sort of June, July, August are likely where you get these 10, 15% recoveries before things come under pressure again. And that's very good so far. That's right. And those sorts of bear market rallies are very, very normal. Um, Until we start to see corporate earnings come off and interest rates peak, I think it's very hard for the market to, to rally. Right. Um, and for now, I just think the status quo will continue where we get these moments of optimism followed by moments of despair. And I think today's inflation number for Australia is a perfect example of for yeah. that. And um, we always, with the, for the last six months, everyone's been talking about how far behind Australia is to the US and the inflation problem isn't so bad here. And all of a sudden, you're sort of brought into the real world and the reality strikes. I just think that news flow will continue to drive the narrative. Okay, all right. Carl Kapalinga from Think Markets, always great to have you aboard and um, thanks for bringing the Aussies home in the uh, (laughs) T20 game last night, good to see you. And 
And uh, also Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. Good to Thanks, see you, Thanks, Koshi. Good to be here. Uh, let's recap the final five stocks. Macquarie, a sell from Carl, a long-term buy from, uh, from Michael, a sell from both on the ASX, uh, a sell from both on Helios. Uh, Michael prefers Sonic. And in that health, healthcare space, Carl prefers ResMed or ProMedicus. Uh, Credit Corp, a sell from Carl, a hold from uh, from Michael and Bell Financial, a sell from both. Uh, coming up on the small caps next, it is one of the biggest listings on the ASX this year. Conrad Asia Energy is listing tomorrow um, and company director Mario Trabiati uh, joins us next on the small caps to take us through it. Um, if you'd like any stocks for us to cover here on the call, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the Oddsbiz TV handle. And uh, a reminder, you can see all the stocks in the Calls Fantasy portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Stick around. We have small caps coming up next.